23. Yes, unbelievable. My birthday this year will be unique because it will be the 23rd of December of 2023. That's just a hint. That's, if you're taking notes, you can start there. We have to say, we have, I have to say a big, big thank you on behalf of my family. We have been really, truly overwhelmed by the amount of things we have gotten over the holidays for, my, for Christmas, for my birthday. And we just want to say thank you. Jennifer said, please say thank you. So here I am. Muchas gracias. Thank you very, very much. It shows your love and your care and all of, all of you guys who gift giving is your love language for. God bless you and thank you for you. <laughs> I have a question today. My question is, who should witness for God? Who qualifies to witness for God? If we were doing a qualification list or a res putting together a resume for, of people who should witness for God, who would they be? Do you make that list? I have often and I often ask myself that question. Do I qualify to witness for God? Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we are in your presence today only, only because of your love and your grace. And so we say thank you. And as we open your word, oh Lord, I stand behind you because I have nothing to say except the cross and your love and your grace and the power that you have to transform and inspire and restore. So talk to us today. Through you, through your word. It is my prayer. Let the church say, Amen. So we are in Mark chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, please open them because today you will need them. We will be reading. So whatever is your sword today here, take it out. Whatever it is, if you have a digital sword that uh, allows you to look up different versions at the same time, well, that's fine. If you have uh, another, like the more traditional technology, because paper is still technology, by the way, um, then use that. But whatever you do, take it out and open it up to Mark, the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 5. And I got to give you a little bit of context. There's a little map I want to show you. This map shows you the, bear, the area here on, uh, of the Middle East, by the way. Uh, un, unshameful plug. Some, uh, some of us, there is a trip going, and some of you might be visiting the, some of these areas. Uh, if you're interested, please talk to Michael Getz. That's my advertisement of the day. Well, the first one. There'll be several later. Um, but here's the area that I want to show you so you understand what's going on. In the summer, in the summer, I told you, we, we shared the story of Jesus crossing the lake. Some of you might remember that. I hope some of you do. If you don't, and if you're watching online or if you have Facebook or YouTube, you can always go back and listen to that. That was actually kind of part one of this study today because Jesus was crossing the, the Sea of Galilee, you can see it there sort of in the center of the map. 
He was going from the area of Capernaum, the area of the, the Jewish uh, context and Jewish, Jewish uh, area there where they worship God to the area where they don't worship God. And I remember we talked about how a storm came up. Remember that? If you don't, it's right there in chapter 4. And something about Jesus crossing the lake did not please the enemy of God and brought up a storm trying to deter him. Today we're going to find out why. Why was Jesus crossing the lake in the first place? Right? So he's crossing the lake from Capernaum. You look at the map. Down, little, you could say south, so to speak. South, south, east, I guess. Towards the area known as the Decapolis. The area of ten cities, which was a huge area, really. Uh, one of the cities, I don't, I don't even think fits in that map. But the Gadara region, you see it there. That's where he was crossing to. This area was a stronghold. What word did I say? Of the devil and his angels and his fallen angels. It was a pagan area where they worshipped not just witchcraft, but they have all kinds of things. It wasn't a Jewish area. It wasn't an area where people worship God. And Jesus was crossing specifically to that area. Why, you might say, to preach to them? Not really. Not yet. He had a different plan. Jesus has a, has a way of choosing the most unique circumstances to do his work. He, he, has, he has a way of choosing the darkest hours, the darkest places to plant his light. And he doesn't do it on his own. Let's take a look at the story. What is Jesus up to? I'm, I'm reading from chapter 5 of the New American Standard Version. Follow along in whatever technology you have. Mark chapter 5. Let's take a look at what Jesus was up to. They came to the other side. What is the other side? Gadara area. Or Decapolis, if you want to call it that. When he got out of the boat... Uh, into the country of the Gerizarines. And you see it there in the map as well. There, there several names of that area. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. See, Jesus has a way of keeping appointments with people that no, none of us would even dare to talk to. And he was up to something. I told you, he wasn't there to preach. Not yet. He was then there to plant a light. Because what is our question for today? Who should witness for God? So as they meet this guy, let's take a look at his resume. The resume of the most unlikely missionary. See what he would have written if he would have been interviewing for a job as a missionary for God. And, he's, and it says, well, the first thing we know is that he lives in the tombs. Well, I spent a few years of my life living in tombs among cemeteries, about 10 years or so. 
And it says, he had his dwelling among the tombs. No one was able to bind him anymore. In other words, they tried time after time again. You can picture in your mind what it might have been to try to bind this gentleman. They had tried, but no one could anymore, even with a chain. So you can see year after year, time after time, they wanted to put an end. They wanted to kind of keep him apart, keep, keep, him, keep him far away. Now, it doesn't say how he got there, but we know that when he met Jesus, this was who he was. Because, verse 4, he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. I love what the gospel of Mark does, what Mark does. Because he said, what did he just say? No one was able to what? Oh. <laughs> you see, he's setting you up. No one was able to subdue him. Okay? Let's keep reading his resume. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Yes, sir, uh, we like to interview, uh, you, you're here to interview for, for a missionary position, right? Yes, yes. All right, tell us your experience. Well, um, do you know the area? I know the area around the cemetery really well. Oh, really? Were you taking up? Oh, no, 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 no. I was just running around naked because they couldn't control me for about 10 years. That's my experience. Who would vote for him and the church board to be the head elder of the church? Or, or when we think of an evangelist, surely he would not qualify. Surely we would not go out of our way to look for him, to ask him, hey, we have a job for you. <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, but there are some things in your resume that you probably leave out. <laughs> that's all right. But in his case, that's all he knew. Again, we don't know how he got there. Was it something that he did? Maybe. Was it something that other people did? Remember, that area was a stronghold for demons. Pagan worship at its worst, at its strongest. Apparently, in the spiritual world, there are territories, and they hold on to those territories. They don't want the light of the gospel to show up. So this is the battle going on right here before, of our eye, before our eyes. And this is the man that comes to meet Jesus. But it's really not the man that comes to meet Jesus, is it? It's not really him. <laughs> Let's keep reading a little bit. Verse 6. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. And shouting with a loud voice. Oh, that's another thing he could put in his resume. I know how to shout. Do you want me to show you? <laughs> so, no, 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 no. That's, that's okay. In fact, when I used to shout, everyone would run away from me. 
you know, our culture thrives a little bit in the scary and the horror type of things. This is the real deal. You can picture, you can imagine what it must have been like for kids to live in that area. If you were a parent, can you imagine what would you say to your, to the, to your children? Now stay away from the cemetery area, right? <laughs> you know he had been doing that for years. So you can imagine without them understanding that it was all because of the power, the spiritual power that the demons were carrying out, were allowed to carry out in that area <laughs> until that day. Until that day. And so, seeing Jesus from a distance and shouting with a loud voice, verse 7, what business do you have with, do we have with each other? Jesus, son of the most high. See, the demons knew who he was. I implore you by God, do not torment me. Do not torture me. It's interesting. All the people in that region were afraid of this man. And yet when this man meets Jesus, who is afraid of who? The first thing they say, I say they because it's not the man talking, is have you come to torment us? Please do not torment us. <laughs> is this judgment day for us, son of the most high? And you can only tell that they are kind of like mocking him too, right? But they, should, they sure know who he is. <laughs> what business do we have with each other? Listen to, look at verse 8. For he had been saying to him, come out of the men, you unclean spirit. Oh, that's an interesting piece of information. So Jesus had been, as soon as the men came to him, Jesus had been saying, come out of him. But we find that he didn't. Demons didn't pay attention to that first call. Came, worshipped him, or bowed down to him, and said, have you come to torment us? So this had been going, you can tell, it was a conversation. It's like, come out of him. Come out of the man. Because Jesus knew exactly why he was there for. And he was asking him, continue asking him, what is your name? So several times Jesus continued to ask. That's what the Greek, by the way, that's the, 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 Mark is trying to say. It was an ongoing, continual conversation until finally he said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. Now, Legion, I have to be careful here because we have some, some uh, scholars in our congregation who know a lot about Roman culture. <laughs> but... This is my understanding, and you can talk to Elder Dick afterwards if I'm mistaken. He will tell you the truth. <laughs> but the Roman, obviously, the Roman soldiers had, uh, had a hierarchy, a way of organizing themselves. And everyone knows, or, or probably if I, if I told you, uh, centuries, the centurion was in charge of how many soldiers? A hundred, right? So we get the word century. So this, the centuries, the centurion, the unit was a hundred, a hundred soldiers. Then you had the cohorts, and that was about five to ten centuries. You're doing the math, right? So how many was a cohort? You could say five hundred soldiers to be on the on the small side, right? Maybe to a thousand. Maybe at different times they had different ones. But the idea was several centuries united together. 
Then you had, well, you also had the, the, the cavalry. But then you had legions. The legions were about 5,000 Roman soldiers. Now think about that for a second. What did the name of the demon, what did the demons just say? What is our name? Jesus wanted to know the demon's name? No, I think he was asking the man's name, but the demon is controlling the man and saying, our name is Legion, because we are many. Now, I don't know about you, but if you ever feel like you don't qualify to witness for God, this is why we're doing this story today. First Sabbath of the year, and my question is, who should witness for God? Do you ever feel disqualified? Well, if there was somebody that would feel, should feel disqualified, was this man. Thousands of fallen spiritual entities controlling his life. Not just for him, but to mess with the people in that area. To keep controlling, to keep destroying, to keep God's light away. That's what the devil does. That's all he can do. He can destroy. Legion, for we are many. You could say to yourself, I have done many mistakes, but I don't know anyone who can say and put in their resume, they can put, well, you know what? My resume is, I had a legion inside of me. And yet, here we find Jesus on the other side of the lake, not the safe side of the lake, but the unsafe side of the lake, keeping a meeting with this man. Because he wants to plant the light of the gospel in this area. <laughs> so I say that the, according to this story, let's put a statement, statement up. What, can, what is there something that can disqualify you from your life to witness for God? I say, no. Nothing you have done or has been done to you disqualifies you from your calling to witness for God. Now, I don't know about you, but this starts tearing me apart a little bit in my deep... Because we can play church... And we can play faith. But when it comes, if I ask you, well, but should you be a witness for God? Should you really be witnessing for God? Come on now. Look at your life. Look at your own resume. I'm here to tell you, nothing you have done or has been done to you disqualifies you from your calling to witness for God. Well, you say, but, but the power of the devil is too strong. Uh, I, 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 just, I just keep coming back to my mistakes, or, or I keep coming back to my wrong identity in the world, or, or this or that, or you're thinking, yeah, but what about all these people that are continually, continually sinning? Don't misconstrue what I am saying. I am not condoning wrong choices. But if there's someone who was under the power of Satan, was this man? And yet, in the presence of Jesus, he was not disqualified for being chosen to witness for God. 
So nothing you have done or has been done to you disqualifies you. But not only that, not only that. <laughs> Look, let, let's keep reading. Are you still there? Don't close it. We, we got we to gotta do the story. So after he says legion, verse 10, he began to implore him. Again, it's a continual. Began to implore him. This is ongoing. It's not like there's one phrase and then silence. It's an ongoing conversation. You, you know, it's, it, it's a, the disciples, as soon as they saw him, had run back to the boats. And so it's Jesus alone with these, this men, which is actually Jesus alone with thousands of fallen spiritual powers. And they're having this. He's the only one that could have that. Anyways, verse 10, he began to implore him, to implore Jesus earnestly not to send them out of the country. Apparently, they were assigned to that region and they didn't want to leave. They were afraid of what would happen if Jesus took him out of that region. It's just amazing the understanding of the spiritual things here. In 11, now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. This is some of the best, most powerful verses right here. There was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain, okay? There's your large herd of swine. The demons implored him, verse 12, saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. And look at verse 13. It says, Jesus what? Jesus gave them what? Permission. Ooh. Why is that important? Because the devil can claim you all he wants. But not even thousands of demons can do anything without asking permission from Jesus. So this leads me to the second statement. Not only nothing you have done or has been done to you, but nothing Satan does can disqualify you from your calling to witness for God. You might say to yourself, but oh, you don't know what he has done in my life. I tell you, because of this story today, you have, you can say, you know what? It's true. Nothing I have done or nothing the devil can do to me. Because Jesus is standing alone and thousands of soldiers, it's a battle between one and thousand. And the thousand are afraid of the one. Please, Lord, please, please, uh, don't, don't, don't kick us out. They were afraid. Don't take us out of this region, they said. Oh, look, there's some pigs over there. Poor piggies, by the way. Can you imagine the pigs, all the other pigs around this? Play, play it out for me. I imagine the pigs on the other hill. Did you hear what happened to those pigs? Yeah, shh, don't say anything. I don't want that happening to us too. Poor piggies. What did they have? To, they had nothing to do with it. The demons afraid of Jesus and Jesus, verse twelve. This is why, if you haven't highlighted that verse, highlight verse thirteen. Jesus gave them permission. When you feel that the power of the evil one is too overwhelming for you, repeat that verse, because even thousands of demons are afraid of the power, the authority, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He gave them permission. So no, nothing you have done, nothing that has been done to you, nothing Satan can do. 
See, Satan is really not the biggest problem Jesus has right now. Because he has already conquered him. Has he not? That's not the biggest problem. In fact, the, 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 if you keep reading with me, you're going to see that there was even a bigger problem. If, if the enemy cannot get us by force, he's going to get us by other means. Confuse our understanding of life. Let's see what happens next so you, so, so you understand what I'm talking about. I call this part of the, of the story the more dangerous strongholds. So, verse 13, he gave them permission. They entered the swine, then the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea. About 2,000 of them. So, again, thousands. And they were drowned in the sea. Verse 14. The herdsmen. <laughs> now, put yourself in their sandals. The herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city. And in the country of the area, the area, Gadara, all of that area. And the people came to see what it, was, what it had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind. The very man who had the legion. And what was the reaction? They were scared. They were scared. They were more scared of Jesus than they were of the man. And so what did they do? Those who had seen it described to them how it happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. And they began to implore Jesus to do what? To leave the region. Oh. This, this, is, this is a little painful. Why? Because the strongest, the more dangerous strongholds perhaps are not full possession. We could see the man was under the influence of spirits. They understood that. But when Jesus gave him permission and all those pigs went into the lake, they became afraid. And the witnesses that saw, now stay with me, the witness, what word did I say? Witnesses. So you have two kinds of witnesses. These witnesses saw what happened and they gave a report of what happened and the result was that people were afraid because when you witness and you don't have the relationship of who Jesus is, you can do more harm than good. Somebody is listening to me this morning? Oh, these were witnesses, all right. They said what had happened. But they were not the ones that understood the transformation. They didn't understand it. It is so easy to look at other people, to look at each other and say, I don't understand what's going on in your life right now, so I'm going to be afraid of it. I don't understand what Jesus has done in your life. I don't understand your miracle. I don't understand your story. And this is why they asked Jesus to leave. See what I mean by the more, the, the, the more dangerous strongholds. The strongholds where we are blinded by our selfishness, our pride. Oh, instead of being oriented or centered in other people, we are self-centered. This is why, this is why, 
Forgive me. But this is why when a person comes into the church, it bothers us if they sat on our pew. I don't want to step on any toes here, but we do have our pews. Don't we have our pews? We have our favorite places. And sometimes we don't realize the spirits that we carry. No, we are not fully possessed. That's easy to detect. But the strongholds that are harder or more dangerous are the ones that are trickier. They are more sneaky or sneakier, should I say. Is that a word? <laughs> because they live inside of us without us realizing that we have parasites inside. I ask you, as your pastor, as this is your pastor now begging with you. If you see someone you don't know, and they want to sit, think of them first. Change the paradigm. Destroy the strongholds. Who should witness for God? Because by doing that, you are also witnessing. When you bear the name of Jesus Christ, you are a witness. Whether you like it or not. You will be a witness. The question will be, will, which kind of witness will you be? Will you be like those men who lost? Oh, Jesus. You understand what happened here. Their livelihood was at stake. Those pigs were their money. And they saw their money literally going down the lake. Look, look, look. Poor pigs. And there goes their livelihood. When Jesus starts messing with the stuff that we hold on to. Oh, no, no, not my wallet. Ah, the strongholds. You see why I say the more dangerous strongholds? The insecurities. The pretense. Jesus has come <laughs> to transform those two. Because Satan is not his biggest problem. His biggest problem it's our heart. I didn't hear an amen to that, but I will keep going. <laughs> By the way, John 4.4 4 is where, actually it should be 1 John 4.4, 4, I believe, is where, it's, where, G, where the Bible says, stronger is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Stronger is he who is in you Sometimes we're more afraid of what Jesus can do if he has 100% of our hearts. Oh, I've seen it in young people all the time. What will happen if I start praying and reading the Bible? No, I don't want to do that. I'm gonna, they're going to see me like too, too Jesus, too Jesus-y, too churchy. We're afraid of what Jesus can do. They asked him to leave. And you might say that Jesus, well... He didn't succeed on that side of the lake. <laughs> but you would be wrong. Because Jesus did not come to preach on that side of the lake. Jesus came to call a missionary on that side of the lake. A missionary who understood the culture. A missionary who was not afraid to talk, like Mary was saying. <laughs> who wouldn't be quiet about what had happened to him. He came not to preach himself. He came 
to call and send someone out. Because we are all sent to tell. Sent to tell. This is what happens. Jesus does not fight with them. He leaves. He starts getting into the boat. The disciples are just watching. What's going on? As he was getting into the boat. I'm in verse 18. You're still with me. As he was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon possessed. Notice the axe demon possessed. I love that. The man who had been demon possessed. Some of you have had you fill in the blank. The man who had da 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 da. The woman who had da 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 da. Oh, no more. Yes, yes. The man who had been demon possessed was imploring him to do what? Well, anybody would, would do that. He wanted to go with Jesus, wouldn't you? He saved me. He, he raised me from a coma, <laughs> whatever it is, right? He saved me from thousands of demons. He saved me from this. He saved me from that. He restored me from a broken relationship. He allowed me to forgive the people that had hurt me so badly. I am free now. I want to be with Jesus. And you would think that Jesus says, oh, yes, of course, come with us. But no, this is weird. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus, verse 19, Jesus did not let him. Well, that's strange. <laughs> Apparently, according to Jesus, this man had had enough training. Now, I'm not diminishing training and careers and degrees. By, an all, by all means, please go to college or study or do something, right? <laughs> I'm not diminishing that. But when we equal our advancements with qualifications to preach for the gospel, we're making a mistake. It is not to qualify us. It is simply to learn more, to be better prepared. Don't mix those, those things up. Because according to Jesus, this guy had enough training already. And he said to him, <laughs> what did he tell him? Go where? Where? So <laughs> Jesus... This is his plan. Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for who? For you. And how he had mercy on who? On you. Sent to tell. Tell what? Your story. How Jesus changed you. Oh, pastor, I don't have a good story. You don't? You are the recipient of the most powerful grace the universe has ever witnessed, and you're telling me you don't have a story? Angels wish to understand what is going on in your heart, and you're telling me you don't have a story? Oh, yes, you do. You just haven't realized it yet. Of course, for the demon-possessed man, it was clear. It was such a... But those strongholds that are sneakier, those are harder to talk about in a way. It would be, in a way, easier to say, look, I, I, I was demon-possessed, but now I'm not. Perhaps. I don't know. But those sneaky strongholds are harder to bring to the light. This is why, by the way, second advertisement... We're doing new freedom to love during Valentine's season next month. Because there are strongholds in our society that are destroying our families and our lives. And no one, not even in the church, dares talk about it. Well, guess what? We will.
And this is for everybody. I beg of you. Come. If you can only come one night, fine. But share the gold. This is why we have the gold bags. Third advertisement of the sermon. <laughs> we have gold bags at the end. We're not going to meet together today. We're going to send you out. To where? To your home. Or whoever you have in your life. Two to three bags. We have a hundred bags. Can we take a hundred bags? I know it's not easy to invite someone to something like that. But someone has to step up and say, hey, we got to talk about this. And so, use the Valentine's thing. There's chocolate in the bag. Everybody wants chocolate. Apparently not. But anyways, <laughs> take, take, take bags. Give them to people in your life that you know will benefit from it. Young and old, it doesn't matter. There will be children's programming, by the way, during our New Freedom to Love series. And it will, be, it will start during the week. And then it will finish Saturday night. Before the, I think, Valentine falls on Tuesday. We want to talk about what love is. Sent to tell. What is your story? Yes, you have a story. Yes, you have strongholds the Lord has saved you from. Stop pretending that you don't. In the end, evangelism, let's, let's put this statement up. Evangelism is more than simply the communication of information. Jesus didn't tell, didn't, didn't tell the man, go just tell them information. No. It is the experience of a personal story in the context of a relationship. That's evangelism. We can, we can mass communicate information. We can do that, and we need to get better at it. But we cannot mass produce disciples, because disciples are born of relationships. That's the next statement, by the way. Disciples are born of relationships. In a way, it's easier to tell people information. But no, the gospel demands that we love. <laughs> because love is a relationship. And that's where the gospel is the most, the at its best, where evangelism thrives. Yes, we have all these things that we do. Yes, we encourage each other to take bags, and we have go Sabbaths, and we have new freedom to love, and we will have many different things we invite people to. Yes, we have excuses to build relationships. That's what they boil down to. Because the most important part of our lives are relationships. Love. True Christian love. That's the most important part of evangelism. Oh, Evangelism Council has been working on this cycle. We, we love to talk about it. And we want to know what, event, what each event does what. That's important. But it doesn't matter if we're not willing to build relationships. Oh, the, the Holy Spirit will still use it. Holy Spirit will still call people out. If we don't do it, He will. But wouldn't it be better if all of us were the most, were part of the most, what can we say? We're part of the club of the most unlikely missionaries. If you feel qualified to witness for God, I'm not talking to you. 
I'm sorry. I'm talking to the people in this room who time and time again ask themselves, why, why, Lord? Why me? Why are you putting me in this situation? Why, have, why do I have this relationship? Now I have to really help this person? Now I have to listen to this person? Now I have to invite them? That's uncomfortable. Now I have to make the hard phone call? Why? It's easier if I just do my own thing. I believe in you. Isn't that enough? <laughs> That's who I'm talking to this morning. Well, not me by the Spirit, but by the Spirit to all of us. Because I believe, let's put the question up again. Who should witness for God? I believe with all my heart that every Christian, every Christian is called to witness for God. That's it. Because every Christian has a unique journey. You have a unique story. There were things that Jesus couldn't do in the Decapolis that only the men could do. Jesus himself couldn't tell them how God had grace on him. He wanted to send him, send him out to tell his story. Oh, somebody I hope is listening to me because I need this just like all of us do. Every Christian is qualified by the grace of God. Again, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not saying we shouldn't get training and certificates. I'm not saying that. Every, but I believe every Christian is called and qualified to witness. Every Christian is called to be an instigator of healthy relationships through which the gospel can flow. Every Christian is called to tell their story. So go tell your story. Tell them what God has done. Show them the reality of your struggles. Let them see the power of God in your life. So let's wrap this up. How does the story of the demon-possessed man end? Oh, it doesn't end there. I'm going to call the, the praise team. I like music, so we're going to have music while we'll conclude the story of the demon-possessed man. <laughs> Here's my conclusion then. If God can use a man like him, then he can use me. If God can use an ex-legion demon-possessed man, he can use you. See, when you start looking at the, at the, at the life of this guy, our excuses kind of fade away, don't they? Imagine for a second what that first day was for him. Going back when Jesus, seeing Jesus leaving on that boat, what was he thinking? It's like, I wish I could go with him, but he told me to stay. What can I do? Then I'm going to stay. 
what do I do? He turned, I imagine, he, he was looking until they couldn't see the boat anymore. And all the people behind him. And then he turned around and all the people were there and kind of like stepped back for a second. Holding their breath. Then he started walking. Not to the cemetery, but to his home. I imagine at first they were a little scared <laughs> to let him hang out. You know, they were keeping an extra eye on him. You know, it's like, ah, uh, I don't know. I imagine he was a little rough on the edges. He wasn't perfect. He just had a story to tell. Some of us tell ourselves, oh, I'm not, I'm not this, I'm not that. Stop it. Don't wait to be perfect to tell your story. No, on the, on the contrary, show how God is working with and in your life. That same night, I, I don't know if he had a wife, if he had kids. We don't know his name. I just imagine playing with his kids those first few days. Do you think he ever got tired of telling his story? Check this out. Go to Mark chapter 7. Oh, I like this. This is not the last time Jesus would come to this region. Oh, no. Go to chapter Mark's, Mark, I mean chapter 7, 31. We're wrapping up. Chapter 7, verse 31. Again, Jesus went out from the region of Tyre where he had been at in the middle of his ministry and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of the Decapolis. Oh, so after some time, Jesus came back. Came back. Can you imagine that? The boat showed up again. And what happens now? Oh, you got, you got, you got to love this stuff. Verse 32. Who, who comes first? They brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty. Oh, they started bringing people to him. They weren't afraid of Jesus anymore. Why? Why, I ask. Because there was a missionary who had told his story to those he loved the most, who had told his story to where he lived and all around the Decapolis. By that time, everybody knew and everybody was willing. Their eyes had been opened because Jesus had planted the light in the darkest place. Where no one would come, Jesus sent an ex-demon possessed. Oh. What does the next chapter say? Look at chapter 8. Did you realize this was the place where this happened? Look at chapter 8. What is your the title of chapter 8? In those days, verse 1, when there was again a large crowd. A large crowd doing what? Listening to Jesus. A large crowd for hours listening to Jesus now. They, didn't, they weren't asking to leave anymore. Because of one man. And we don't even know his name. Ah. I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me. This is where he fed 
4,000 men, not counting children and women. Now, see the difference? In one chapter, they're asking him to leave. A few chapters later, boom. 20,000 people listening to Jesus. Bringing the sick. The sick. Why? Because Jesus had planted the light, not through him, but through a human, a broken, forgotten human being. Who wants to be part? Who wants to be part of the most unlikely missionary club? Oh, we have lots of things. I praise God because this church, you guys are so involved. We, we had a ministry fair long, not too long ago. There were so many people doing stuff. It's hard to keep up. But there might be people that are not, you feel like you're not. You, God has put something, whatever relationships you have, this is your call. Consider this your formal calling. Go tell your story. Be part of the most unlikely missionary club. <laughs> because if God can use him, he can use what? Say it. If God can use him, say it. He can use even me. sermon is done and that's the appeal to you we're gonna sing a closing song as we usually do yes it's called I love to tell the story <laughs> look we have to do the offering as well but if you feel in your heart I don't know you want to raise your hand you want to stand up is there someone here who wants to be part of the club of the most unlikely missionary who wants to say you know what this year 2023 like Jesus did we are gonna go on the offensive we are gonna find those places those strongholds in our lives we are gonna cross to the other side we're going to plant a light this 2023 year we're gonna tell our story till there's no one else to tell or till I don't know the Lord ties up my tongue I don't know or till we see him coming in glory in 2023 huh what do you say who wants to be part of that club
Father, please bless us with your presence and with your mercy and with your peace. And let us tell the amazing things you have done for us. This 2023, let this community and us hear our story like never before. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen.